Welcome to the TuckCast with a splash of bourbon presented by Tuckasegee Fly Shopping Guide Service. Located at 3 Depot Street, Bryson City and 530 West Main Street, Silva, North Carolina. And Waynesville. Tuckasegee Fly Shopping Guide Service is your number one stop prior and after your epic fly fishing adventure in Western North Carolina. And also Waynesville. Visit tuckflyshop.com for stream flow information. Book a guided trip. Or even shop for your official Tuckasegee Fly Shop gear. Follow the crew on Facebook at Tuckasegee Fly Shop, Instagram at Tuck Fly Shop, and on YouTube at Tuckasegee Fly Shop. Today's episode is brought to you by Norvox. From their original 1970s prototype to the latest Legacy C in five amazing colors Radical Red, Sunset Orange, Shamrock Green. Royal Purple, Liberty Blue. Norvice has been committed to one thing, efficiency. By adding the Norvice Auto Bobbin to your Norvice, you can tie better flies faster. For more information, visit www.nor-vice.com. Here in our Silver Studios today, we have Coach Dale Diesel Collins, Bobby the Bearded Wonder Bennett, and I'm your host, Shannon, Big Mess Messer. Yeah, Shannon's not here. <laughs> He's not hosting anything. I don't think I hit the right button. So, uh, yeah, there's a shout out to Norvice. Um, so, yeah, we got we got Bobby, Dale, and today we got a special guest, uh, Richard Andrews. So, Richard, hello. Thanks for joining us today, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm honored to be here. That's um, tell us the name of your guide service and where you're located. So I live in Bath, North Carolina, uh, down the Pamlico River. That sounds clean. Yeah, and I uh, I run a guide service called Tarpam Guide Service. Been in business for 12 years now, and I was just up here on vacation um, this week, and um, these nice gentlemen invited me to come over and speak to them for a few minutes. You're very polite. This <laughs> nice gentleman. So. Yeah, no, it, it worked out. We uh, we have not recorded. I think Cabell, uh, the the Orchard Coffee was our last episode. Um, so it, it's been a crazy ride. My children had this was the first year. I mean, really since the pandemic, the things have been crazy. Where both children were doing um, sports teams. So it's Madeline had practice one night. Bryson had practice one night. You throw church in the mix or something. Or one of these other guys has something going on, and then it's just all to Hades. So um, it was crazy to get things scheduled. And so sorry out there to all you folks that have been expecting some stuff, but we're we're super glad to to be back here. And uh, is that recording, Bobby? It's all good. Okay. Don't you worry about me. I saw Bobby plugging something in, and <laughs> yeah, man. I messed it up. It's all good. Somebody People. said, I just listened to that episode where y'all had a great episode going for about twenty six minutes, and then somebody forgot to hit record. Yeah. So we didn't want to do that. We just again. We, we missed the first three minutes on the video, but it's all good. It's been so, a long time. I've done this. Well, and I'm sitting in Shannon's seat. So it's like I've got way more technology in front of me than I'm used to seeing. So I've decided I'm gonna turn this over to you. I can't do that in this. No, I mean next time. I don't know about you I gonna wanna, run this? I no, I just want to sit back Richard, and do you wanna run this? I, I wouldn't even know how to start. I just want to <laughs> sit back and do nothing. So and drink water. Well, um, so yeah, I guess we need to talk about kind of how things have gone in the last was it three or four months since we recorded, and 
I mean, the fishing's been excellent. It's been a hot summer. I mean, let's let's go ahead and get the fishing report. How hot out is it in Bath? Glad to be right here. <laughs> you know, Bath. Bath is a pretty neat place. Um, give us a little little history about Bath. Well, Bath has a lot of history. It was the first colonial capital of North Carolina, um, and it's one of the it's the oldest incorporated town in North Carolina. Still has a lot of colonial history, but its most famous attribute is it's the home of Blackbeard. Black, oh, that's so right. Blackbeard I lived there for a while. Yeah. yeah, and he he lived out on the point at the mouth of Bath Creek, and right across the mouth of the creek lived the governor at oh. the time. So you think they were card playing buddies back in the day? <laughs> Man. <laughs> Yeah, Did you hear that on a tour at some point? Yeah. I just <laughs> regurgitating the tour guide. <laughs> was yeah, that the was that the Black Pearl? That his his ship was called the Queen Anne's Revenge. <laughs> that's right. That was the wrong uh That's the one they found off the coast there, right? They found it off of Beaufort Inlet, yeah, yeah. recently. Last couple was of years. Was it part of it? Like just a cannon or they find it? They, they found, found a bunch of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's cool. I, I geek out on that stuff. That's awesome. The history the history uh degree in me really comes out and I it's so cool the pirate stuff on the North Carolina coast. It is. Bryson really in our trip to Outer Banks. He um he really bought into the, he got a big pirate book of the greatest pirate stories ever told or something at the uh um the lighthouse bookstore and uh, I got him a map of all the different pirate places in North Carolina or something and I I love that stuff. It's cool. Yeah, it's uh, cool. I mean he was killed at both or uh, Ocracoke rather. Is that that's right? Yes. That's where they got him. We tried to find some of that stuff and. Ocracoke has now turned into so much of, you know, dude man's ice cream this way. Like you, like the history in Ocracoke, I feel like it's just getting washed over. And I, maybe that's just my three hour experience that I was there. Well, Bath still hasn't been tainted too much by tourism. So it's a, why is that? It's just real small and um, it's kind of, it's not on a direct path to the beach. So right. to the 264 corridor, once you get past Little Washington, there's just nothing. How far off that 264 is Bath? Um, just a ten minute drive. Is that all? Yes, man. It's, it's gonna be crowded now. The millions of people that listen to I this know, podcast, I, they're gonna start showing up in droves now. <laughs> but it really is a great place to live. It's a wonderful little coastal town and uh, has a lot of history and um, good. Mi- you know, there's a lot of retirees that move there, and but there's a lot of local residents there too. So and the fishing happens to be really good year round. So. And that's in the Albemarle Sound. No, it's on the Pamlico it River. Pamico. Yeah, it's, river. It's, it's about halfway down the Pamlico River from the headwaters of the river in Washington to the Sound. Okay, so it's about a fifteen mile stretch from Washington to Bath, and then another fifteen miles from Bath down to the Sound. So it's, that, about, it's about a thirty mile river. Did you grow up there? I grew up in Tarboro. Oh, Tarboro! It's a good football Tarboro. play down there. There's some good. They have a good football team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so in my coaching days, I coached at Thomasville. That's where what's his name went, wasn't it? Uh. He didn't go to Thomasville. No, no, he went to Tarboro. He went to Tarboro, though. That played for Georgia and the That's Rams. right. What's his name? Yeah. Um, Todd Gurley. Todd yeah, Gurley. That's where he went. I already Tarboro. forgot him. That's how good running backs are in the NFL. Yeah. So, um, my four by one team at Thomasville in track, we beat Todd Gurley's. Really? So, um, and yeah. That, that Dale was, was the coach. He wasn't running. I, yeah. By, <laughs> yeah, I did that. By, <laughs> yeah, this, that's evident. <laughs> But, but, you know, but in, in, in terms of Tarboro, man, what a storied tradition there in athletics. And Todd Gurley, um, you know, just incredibly talented individual, but also a, a gracious athlete. He was so focused on that 4 by 100 relay um, that he decided after he qualified as a finalist in the hurdles also. He could have won the hurdles if he wanted. He was that good. But he's like, nah, I'm going to save up for the 4 by one 
And so he withdrew from the hurdles, the 110 hurdles, and that allowed one of my other kids to qualify for the hurt. My kid finished last, but he's still a state finalist. Like, yeah. nobody can take that away from that kid. And, yeah, it was because Todd Gurley withdrew. But still, how, that was pretty cool on Todd. He had won it as a junior and I think a sophomore as well. So he'd already won gold in, in, in that event. So he's like, you know, nah, he, he wanted the four by one. I think his NFL career was kind of short, though. He he got hurt. He got injured a couple times. Two or three yeah. years into it or something like that. I yeah. think he ended up landing on teams that just like to pound the rock, man. Yeah. yeah especially Georgia. Mm-hmm. SEC football, I feel like those running backs, they, they just get abused. You know, I mean, they're they're going to pound you until you get too tired and just just overtake you in the fourth quarter because uh, you're gassed. And and the numbers, if you allow 200 yards rushing on anybody, you're going to lose. So I think that's anybody that got their hands on Todd Gurley, um, that was going to be the case. So, but yeah, Tarboro. All right, so Tarboro, you go to you you grow up in Tarboro. How do you get how where does Tarpam God Service come so in? So my story started after college. I grew up in Tarboro and. Fell in love with offshore fishing throughout college. Fished a lot of tournaments in the summertime. Um, a friend of mine's dad had a boat. We fished the Hatteras Marlin Club tournament, some of the other tournaments. And uh, when I graduated from college, I moved down to Hatteras and started working as a mate on the charter boats down there. I mean, the day, literally the day after I graduated, that's all I wanted to do. I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I when I got out of Carolina, um, but I just I just knew I wanted to catch big fish in the ocean. So what you, did you go to college for? History. No way! Yeah, High five! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Chapel Hill? History. Yeah, I went to Chapel okay. Hill, got And then you said, degree. I'm going to go get on a boat. <laughs> and I just had no idea throughout college what I wanted to do for a living, and so I, I just knew I just wanted to fish. Yeah. And I said, I just want to go catch a big blue marlin in the ocean, and that's what I did. Got me a marlin! So I went down there, and I got a job on a charter boat, worked on a kind of a crappy boat for the first summer, then got a better job, and then... Crappy or crappy? Crappy. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then... um. Moved up to Oregon Inlet, started fishing out of there, out of the fishing center there on some really good boats up there. So I did end up doing that for five or six years. Uh, had some really cool experiences. We we took a boat uh, one winter down from Manio all the way to Isla Mujeres, Mexico, uh, and lived on the boat and ran sail fishing trips down there Dang, in the winter. Dude, that's cool. Yeah, came back and went over to the Bahamas and Marlin fished over in the Bahamas and the Abaco some. And, so so yeah. I got to be honest right now. I feel like... For the first time on this podcast, we've got a real fisherman here. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but my, my fishing journey has been, you know, most people fish, people's journeys go from small fish in freshwater and small water to the ocean, big fish. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, but you've done it all, man. Commercial fishing I, I, I went, and I went red. the other direction. I went from big to small. Yeah. Like now, personally, I'm, I'm more interested in like what you guys do here. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I'd love, I'm, I'm happier catching a wild trout in you know, a stream in the, in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park than I am catching a blue marlin out in the Gulf Stream. Mm. So it's uh, it's it's been an interesting journey. But but that, but that's how I got started in the charter fishing business. I did that for a while and learned how what it was like to, you know, deal with clients and uh, different people every day on the boat and, you know, get prepared for, for a day of fishing and clean up and all that. And so I kind of evolved into an inshore um brackish water fishery which is well i I mainly just wanted to live in coastal north carolina but i didn't really want to live at the beach anymore so i Mm. chose an area that had really good year-round fishing and started guide service there and it's been it's been great it's worked out that's cool so Mm. is tar pam pamlico river is it involved the tar river any 
So that's the tar and the yeah, that's the name of my business, the tar and the Man, I thought it was something to do with tarpon. I swear to you. <laughs> really? I did. No, I was that, like, That's oh, what some people say. Yeah, some people are like, like, Tarpon? Tarpon God service? No, tar, it's tar dash Pam for the tar and the Pamlico River. I didn't realize You that. ain't from around here, are you? <laughs> Man, so anyway, I feel kind of dumb. Well, the tar comes down and it, it's a, you know, very prominent river in eastern North Carolina. And I do fish the tar, by the way. Um, some in the winter, mostly. Would you drink the water? <laughs> The tar is a cl- is a lot cleaner than. Oh, this think. sounds like us trying to convince people that the little Tennessee and the Tuck are clean. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the tar, tar folks, is dirty. It, it it's just muddy. I mean, it, it gets it gets it carries all that sediment down from the foothills. How many pig farms are on it? There's a few. <laughs> not, not not as many as the noose, though. Okay, not, not yeah, as many as the you're right. You're right. So it's it's actually a cleaner watershed than the noose. I it, believe that the headwaters yeah. are up around Oxford, you know, above Raleigh. Ooh, and, Oxford. And it, we used to actually go kayak that a lot because I lived up near Oxford. Did you really? Yeah, in Granville County. Yeah, well, that's a, a pr- that's a pretty part of the. I water didn't grow there. up there, but I worked up there. So yeah, no, well, it is. It's really pretty. It's really the the river's not that big up there. It's pretty small. Man, so. if we'd have known now, as you're talking, to Richard, what what we knew back then. I'd have picked you up from Greensboro with my Carolina skiff, and we'd have just went out there. To Bath? You know, were somewhere on the tar. It had been a lot closer than driving where we drove. Yeah, it was more fun, though. Was you it? Know. I don't know. Well, the tar turns into the Pamlico in Washington, so it's yeah. really the tar and the Pamlico. Same river. but That's um, interesting. Oh, yeah. Back to you, Richard. But the brackish, <laughs> the brackish, uh, the brackish portion starts in um, – in Washington, and it widens out, and the salinity increases as you go down towards the sound. It's a gradient. It's also a gradient which exists in the creeks, too. If you go at one of the tri- tributaries, it'll be saltier near the mouth of the creek, and okay. if you get to the headwaters of the creek, it'll be fresh. Almost. How do you know the salinity? I, I don't, but, I mean, you, you can tell based on rainfall. I mean, okay. just like, so some years are super... <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I, actually, that's the way we do it. Do you actually taste it? actually taste it, yeah. Yeah, you could taste the salt and go, oh, yeah, it's pretty salty today. He's like, that's First 22%. Day. You ain't got the runs I, I for life? I can't do that yet. You ain't got Giardia or something? <laughs> I don't swallow. <laughs> but, but, yeah, you can you can literally do the, uh, the taste. <laughs> We're not editing that out. <laughs> oh, well, you guys are bad. Uh, there's your bourbon moment for the day. <laughs> it's organic, folks. Just taste, not swallow. <laughs> so, all right. So you, the salinity changes with yeah, rainfall. It, Back it, to the topic yeah, here. We have a dry year right now, so we're having our water is very salty. Um, so it, it's a gradient which change which shifts every year, shifts with the wind, shifts with the rainfall amount. Um, but we ha- it's great because we have such a high diversity. Yeah. I mean, I've I've had charters where we go out and we catch our our, our main four species that we target, which are striped bass, speckled trout redfish and flounder those are kind of our big saltwater fish that we have in our area yeah and then you can go in the in the creeks or up the river and catch freshwater fish like largemouth uh, chain pickerel some people call them jack pike in our area um bowfin which are mm. long-nosed gar which they're all mm. they're, they're some of those species are starting to become kind of popular on the fly interesting yeah, yeah. And, and all all sorts of panfish right white perch a bunch of different species of warm water sunfish so I've, I've had 10, 12 different species we've caught in one day before. Yeah. If you're willing to kind of do that mixture. Yeah. How much fly are you able to incorporate? Like, do you have people requesting fly only? Yeah, we are, we're starting to get more fly clientele. Yeah. Uh, we're moving in that direction. I'm ta- Every year I'm taking more fly flying. Is that targeting just reds or some of these kind of weird species? Um, It depends. Some people want to want to just come catch something, like check it off the list. Yeah. Um, I had a guy, one of my best clients, really, really want to catch a long-nosed gar. Oh, really? And we, we spent On some, a fly rod? Yeah, on a fly rod, and we did it, and it was... Was that like a rope fly? 
Or is um, it? That I a would hook? just use a clouser. Clouser. Yeah, just a clouser. That's like the most universal <laughs> fly. If I could go to my grave with one fly, it'd be a clouser. Yeah. We were we were out there with uh, Brian Horsley, a uh, flat out there out of Oregon Inlet there on our um, Outer Banks trip back in June. And we're out there, these houndfish. I'd never heard of houndfish. You know houndfish? Yeah. They're pretty fresh. It's like, yeah, it was like <clears throat> the fishing sucked, so we're going to go catch houndfish, right? It was like that kind of fish. So um, we we talked about chasing them on the fly, and he he tossed it a few times. There was a lot of grass got blown in. We had, we had just got done with the north blow. Um, but it was a clouser. I mean, this thing looked like a gar, right? And and I, I was like, man, that's a big needlefish. And he's like, no, it's different. And I was like, well, I'll take your word on it. Like, I ain't going to argue, man. He says, that's a rainbow trout. That's a rainbow trout. I'm not going to take that glory. <laughs> but, I mean, it was it, it did look different. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it's a clouser. Yeah. Like that's amazing. That's like the most. Yeah, if if you if you were stuck on an island, give me one fly. Did you fish a clouser today for the smallmouth? Did you no, try it? No, I didn't. Should have had a creelix. If I'd have had a clouser, I'd have caught more. I'm oh, sure. you'd have caught forty fish. <laughs> Should have thrown a clouser. I clouser creelix are I, really good. I didn't tell you this earlier, but I flipped my raft today. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! This is breaking news. I know. I know. I know. This is a good. This story. is good, this is good stuff. Story. All right. All right. Let me, let me turn the volume so, up. Here. So there's a. Uh, this is the flattest section of the tuck you can you can yeah. fish. And we didn't even flip it in a rapid. I mean, okay. we, so we went through a little riffle, whatever. And and I, I was moving my my youngest son wanted to row for a few minutes, and so we were switching seats. And I learned a hard lesson about a flycraft raft: don't get in the back if you're a big guy. So <laughs> oh, we popped the wheelie. wheelie. I popped the wheelie. Yeah, it turned right over. Did it really? Right, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Was everybody okay? Yeah, yeah, it was fine. I mean, we dumped all our gear. And we got most of the gear. There's there's a nice spinner rod laying right on that bridge. You know, the, the foot, foot bridge? bridge. Yeah. If you find it, let me Ooh, know. Oh, I know which one that is. Yeah, there's, there's a nice spinner rod and like a, a box of jigs. star? One of the star rods? No, no, it's a, it's a like I'd a be going Shimano. back after one of those. I think it's a Shimano. But it's got a full swell of braid, so, you know, could be useful. Man. <laughs> I look for it for a little bit, but yeah, man, we were like, I mean, like, it was a great lesson for my my sons because they they learned that unexpected things can happen out there on the boat. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. We were chatting about some of that beforehand, going through uh, Cape Lookout and that area. Um, but I, I love that boat; it's a great boat. But I just didn't it's th- great for skinny water for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. What but, um, yeah. in your experience out there, what's the hardest fish in that fishery to target on the fly? Um, redfish are actually pretty easy to to to, to catch once mm-hmm. you once you've located them. They're, yeah, they're they're very aggressive. Um, they're not they don't get if they get spooked they can be very tough to get. Sometimes you, you usually like let's say you come across a school of reds in shallow water, which we do a lot on the river flats out there. We've got these flats of sand flats that come off the river banks that are 100, 150 yards wide, and then it'll drop down to like five or six feet. But, you know, it's a foot and a half, two foot deep. And we, we could see the fish pushing up on the flats or chasing bait. And we can get, if we get on them, we'll, we'll catch a couple out of a school, and then we might get another round. We'll kind of come back once we get those fish in them. If, the, if we didn't mess the school up too bad, we can come back for like a second round. This After, is like drifting down with the current. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or just approaching really slowly with the trolling motor. Yeah. Okay. And that's about it, you know. So, gotcha. so, so they get, they get spooked, um, but they're pretty aggressive and they're they're easy to catch. You can, any fly, I mean, the clouds are a great redfish fly. Yeah. You don't really need anything super fancy. I mean, the game changers work great, obviously, but uh, shrimp patterns work great. But they'll eat anything you put it in front of them. That's cool. Yeah, uh, I would say speckled trout can be really. Yeah, they're they're one of our most finicky fish 
when they're hungry, they're easy to catch, but they could be super finicky. Huh. And they, and a lot of that has to do with the presentation. You know, they're, they're very color specific some days, uh, very presentation oriented. So you got to get that one right. I think out of all the local anglers down there, speckled trout's by far the most popular fish to target mm-hmm. because of that. Because they're a little bit tougher to catch. It's like walleye fishing. Okay, you know, in a lake, I guess. Yeah, they're a little bit more finicky. They don't pull as hard as the other as the other species, but they're they're they've kind of got this graceful quality about them. They're real dainty fish that are real finicky. Does that make sense? Yeah. The redfish are like a sounds familiar. Like a tank. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, y'all, y'all probably familiar with that concept up here. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, um, the trout. Uh, we we do catch flounder on fly sometimes. Incidentally, we don't target them on fly, but they'll hit a fly. Um, of course, Are, our, is this weight forward fly lines or sinking? We I'm only, uh, I keep two eight weights and a seven weight on my boat every day. Yeah. I keep a I keep a ten in case we encounter some big reds. Um, yeah. And I keep a floating weight forward floating line. I use I like to use those Rio outbound shorts. Mm-hmm. They they're just they got the super heavy head on them. Load fast. They load fast. And the intermediate outbound shorts. Yeah, is what I use. So floating and intermediate. Okay. And then I'll have a, a spare spool or two in the bo- you know in my boat with some full sinking line in mm-hmm. case we need to kind of depth charge some fish out yeah. in the sound. Um, so that's what I that's you know intermediate line is going to be using just below the surface to four or five feet of water. Yeah. We don't have a ton of current, so we're we're just fishing. I'm just trying to get the fly down in the water column as fast right. as possible, so I don't have to wait on it. Hmm. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about your boat you you use and. Um, a, a lot of a lot of folks that we encounter in the shop are from Florida or coastal South Carolina, um, or if their saltwater fly fishing experience is all in like a flat skiff. Tell us a little bit about your rig. Well, we we fish bigger boats. Uh, I, I ran a twenty two foot ba- uh, Pathfinder Bay boat for about a decade. I just got a new new boat last year, a twenty three foot Jones Brothers Kate Fisherman, and it's a little bit more substantial boat for the rough water we have down there. And so I'm I'm not getting any younger, so it's nicer on my body. Yeah. At the end of the day, but we don't have sight fishing opportunities like they have in the salt marshes. So we don't do we don't pole. We just use trolling motors. We can we can yeah. creep up on fish with our trolling motor. Uh, my boat can float in about foot and a half of water, so we can get in there shallow and do that. Um, but yeah, it's not this classic sight fishing thing that you that you would picture in the mm-hmm. low, yeah. co- low country marshes of South Carolina. Our, our ecosystem in the Pamlico is way different than the tidal salt marshes. So th- in Cedar Island, North Carolina, it changes. That's the southern part of the Pamlico Sound. From there south all the way down the eastern seaboard, you've got tidal salt marsh, higher salinity water you know lunar tide cycle from cedar island up the pamlico sound the tidal zones in the sound are only right behind the inlets so so, so what we have what, what makes our water move and fluctuate is wind we have hmm. wind tides we have no where i fish we got zero lunar tide really zero really yep so imagine a fan huh. imagine a bathtub full of water with a fan blowing from one end to the other yeah. and the water's piling piling up i've tried the, this by the way at the opposite end, opposite end of the uh tub so the that, air, air conditioning was out last week there's your wind tide effect huh. and um so easterly winds for us on, on being on the inner bank side make our water higher and westerly winds make us have lower water that's cool. So, so we'll have low water while the backside of Hatterson and Ocracoke Islands have high water and vice yeah. versa. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So so on your boat, 
if if you had people just fly fishing, just throwing this out, because I'm cool to throw a spinning rod too, but how many people can fish at once? Because on like a flat skiff, it's one person. Like you take turns. We can fish two. So you could put two people yeah, fishing. Yeah, and... one on the stern, one on the bow. One on the bow. Okay. Yeah, that I, that makes it even more fun. And I even have people try to fish three, but I I try to. Yeah, I, it kind of gets I, a little I don't too. Let that happen much. Yeah, gets a little too complicated. Yeah, it can be be a be tough, <laughs> <laughs> quick. <laughs> That's cool though. Yeah. So yeah, I, we can I, do it. I have to say, I mean, I, I'm I'm by all means a, a fly or die kind of person, but it was nice to be out there on the North Carolina coast and just throw top water stuff on a spinning rod. It's fun. And and not worry about the oh uh, what the guy think about that yeah you like, know like how, how was that cast oh man yeah like yeah. just the pressure of that and so it was nice to get out there and throw a mirror just relax or something man. and yeah it kind of was like I kind of forgot about that so you know I've said it to customers in here spinning ain't sinning no it's not know. I mean we do a ton of spin fishing and in in a lot of cases it is a better tool for catching fish yeah I mean hands down a better tool yeah. I mean I mean our fishery has been refined over the years through the use of conventional tackle yeah we're just starting to see what fly fishing you know fly rods and and gear can do in our fishery and we're and so we're it's evolving and we're learning just as much as as we're doing it um that's cool it'd be like you know up here in the smoky mountains where y'all are you know throwing dry flies it'd be like trying to evolve into a spin fishing only situation yeah Mm mm-hmm it, you know, it's an established method for doing it here, and you have to basically pioneer a whole. I mean, yeah, you can throw like a panther martin or whatever and catch a trout, but yeah. but maybe not as effective as a dry fly on most days. Yeah, it just depends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. spook them or true. something. Yeah. What? Um, so, um, just to plug Jones Brothers a little bit here, your Jones Brothers boat, twenty three foot Cape Fisherman. Yeah, that's the most their most popular model among fishing guides. And that's yeah. like a center console. It's a center console, yeah. yeah. Um it's a modified V, um, not a super deep V boat, but it, it it's real stable. So it, it boat boat design's all a give and take. If you if you go too deep, a deep V boat will ride better. Yeah. But if you go too deep you can't float it in shallower water. Right. So. And it also kinda gets tippy. Yeah. So Flat, you don't need no tippy boats. You took care of that on the tuck today. You're, you're yeah, watched, that's right. You ever watch those videos? What's that? What's that inlet down in Florida where they go through and Hullover like the, Inlet? Like, oh, you ever yeah. watch those yeah, videos? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my god! It's like I'll be I'll be back here in the office doing work and I'll like pick up Facebook and it's like oh they got me. There's Hullover. It's <laughs> like here's a time suck. I'm gonna watch these boats drown for yeah. 15 or, minutes. Inlet's just as bad. Does yeah, it get like it's that? Not worse. Yeah. It's, Does it it's really? Terrible. I love. They haven't done it again. So that tells me the the person running the Oregon Inlet. Coast Guard unit social media has changed, but they used to be very active in posting. Hey, went out on the bar today, and they will post those videos of those cutters going through the oh yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. When you get a um a big swell hitting the beach from a tropical storm or just a big blow or whatever hurricane, an outgoing tide, it is a nasty place. Yeah, man, very very dangerous. You ever thought you were going down? I watched a I watched a fifty five foot sport fisher beside me stuff his bow. One day he was about a hundred yards uh, just right beside us, and the wave broke over his bow and blew his curtains out on his flying bridge, and filled, filled up the cockpit of his boat with about three feet of water. Oh my god! And he went. And he just he didn't even turn around. He just went on, kept going. Kept he just going kept fishing. pushing. He was going in or going out. He was going out. Oh my gosh! <laughs> he went fishing like that all day with blown out curtains. <laughs> Those, those guys are tough down there, man. They're Holy salty smart. bunch down what, there. Did you see like when you went from Hatteras to Oregon Inlet? Was it like? 
oh, you're from down there, or welcome to the big boys. Like, what was that culture like? Um, it's it's different. Um, the, the fishing's different. Hatters has Gulf Stream water closer to the shore, okay. so it's you're fishing like hot, fast blue water every day up at Oregon Inlet. You've got the Labrador pushing down, so you've got this green, what we call kind of this this blended water, which doesn't exactly look as blue or purple as Gulf Stream water. And that's it pushes way out over the continental shelf. So the, the fishing up in Oregon Inlet is the tuna fishing's a lot better. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, very very rich tuna fishing grounds out of there. Uh, no, the, the the guys down there they're all that they, they have a, a huge sense of camaraderie. Yeah, and they they fish as a fleet too. They they call it like when they get bites, they'll call them in to the other, cool. their other guys, and we kind of do that too. Our, the guys that 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 operate in my area, the few that are there. We're all friends, and I mean, of course, you're going to have outliers and guys that are not really wanting to work with, you know, the group. But we do work really well so together. So if I show up down there, you're not going to cut my tires. I'll, I'll uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe just we'll loosen, the we'll loosen the lug, loosen the lug, just loosen the lug nuts. That's a surprise. I've definitely been tempted a few times to certain people, but um, but no, it, it's a good crowd, and That's we good. work together. We all, we 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 want each other to all do well. Right. Well, at the end of the day, man, if that your little sub region does well, and the word gets out. Exactly. It's only going to bring more business exactly. to you. So, you know, you can't do it all on your own. And the, and the guys, the offshore guys down at the beach have have made that model. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, they've shown that that works. It, yeah. does, it does work. This is a crazy question, but do you have to watch out for, like, uh, the the Camp Lejeune, um, like, bombing ranges? Yeah, we've got one right off of our – right outside the mouth of the Pamlico River, yeah. and it's a pretty active one. They're, they're out there shooting it every day on one. Are they really? Yeah. Can you hear it? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, you could. I've seen the thirty millimeter rounds hitting the water with, and the splashes coming up. Dude, that's too close. I'm just gonna go ahead. Awesome. And say. It's, so it's, it's very uncomfortable. Um, they don't <laughs> shoot. They don't shoot bom- live bombs. They shoot. Um, I had a Harrier pilot on my boat one day who used to go out there and shoot all the time. He said they would shoot inert bombs that were filled with sand. Okay. But they would shoot live rounds. Yeah. Holy smokes. And, 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 get, and get this, there's a target shit right in the middle of the bombing range. Yeah. And these idiots go out there and trout fish around it in the morning. <laughs> All the time. They, I mean, the same, like guys will go out there once a week and fish around the target shit, and there's some huge trout around it. Oh, but, that's but, hilarious. But me having a federal license, I really don't want to get in that. You can get a ticket and get in trouble for it. Yeah. And people have. So I don't. it's not worth the risk to me. Is the federal license your Coast Guard? Yeah, my Coast okay. Guard license. But other, other than that, it's just a stupid thing to do. That's kind of like are, the, uh, the story that Chip told me down there from the barbershop about when he was out with the Marines out west on oh. San Diego. And they were fishing on a lake, and they didn't know that they were going to be bombing that day. And he's like, dude, it, it threw me like 50 feet. He's like, it was wow. nuts. Wow. I he did. said, we heard the siren, and we were like, oh, crap. We got to get out of here. There, there is Paddle a, fast. There is a guy down there that will go unnamed, but he uh, he got uh, rotor washed by a chopper out there one day. <laughs> Holy smokes. He, I don't think he was technically in the – the reason why I know it is because I, I fished the guys that Pulled were on – Pulled him out of the water. The guys that are on his boat that day fished with me now, and they <laughs> – uh, and they, <laughs> and they, uh, they said uh, the, the chopper came up beside him, and – you know, they're kind of pointing him to, to leave, and he, and he just went like this, like like went, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. And it was one of those big double rotor choppers, huge helicopter. Yeah. And the chopper just moved right over top of him, and like stuff started flying everywhere off the boat. Tackle, you think they said, boxes, "Watch cameras. this, he'll move now." Yeah, he moved pretty quick then. That's crazy, man. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm glad we don't have to worry about that here. I will That's say. cool though. 
It's, um, pretty, it's pretty neat when they're out there out there shooting those targets. It's, it's a show for sure. So my first F-18s. career, I was I was uh, I did a lot of contract work on Fort Bragg, so we got to see some some crazy stuff sometimes. Especially then there was Pope Air Force Base right beside Fort Bragg. Now that's been closed down. It's not an Air Force Base anymore. But just watching those uh, the A tens. Oh, those, yeah. those warthogs, warthogs. With, the th- with the 30 cal man yeah. you'd hear those things shooting and stuff that was, was a really good sound that was like the Galf police academy <laughs> <laughs> that was good bobby <laughs> it was cool to to see that stuff so the uh the, the ospreys come and do touch and goes at the airport in washington oh yeah yeah all the time they, they're always landing in there man. every t- every now and then we see them doing some maneuvers um here at the jackson county airport and it's just like please don't crash here yeah. Like the, some of those things are kind of dangerous, um, but flying in the mountains is dangerous altogether. So, um, well, hey, let's shift gears a little bit. And um, one thing I kind of mentioned to you before um, we started recording is the striper fishery. Um, tell us a little bit about the game y'all got going out there for striper. So the striper fishing is awesome. It we we have resident estuarine striper. He just sat up a little bit. That means yeah. this gets him excited. Oh yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm really excited. <laughs> Anyway, so, well, I love stripers because they keep me going year-round. That's what I do. So okay. you can catch those year-round. I fish year-round, you know, all during the winter, and that is that is my winter fishery is striped bass. So is it is that the best time is winter? It, it's, it can be good at any time during the year, but the winter fishing is excellent. That's the yes. more consistent. Yes, very yeah. consistent. They school up in the rivers. So striped bass is managed by zone. So there's four different management areas. And the rules are very complicated on what you can keep and where you can keep them, and they've 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 been changing quite a bit over the last few years. But if it's not too too terribly difficult to read up on it and know what you can do, so we we can't keep stripers like we used to, but you can still keep them certain places at certain times of the year. But our fishing is excellent, and most of my people in the winter time we can't keep them, but we can we just go catch them, catch yeah. and release them. You just can like still what do you that. Guys do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. No, you so can still same fish thing we do here, catch yeah, and release, yeah. and just. Well, the regulations that we've had placed on us with, between flounder and the, the speckled trout and the redfish regulations have been pretty consistent since I've been in business over the last 12 years. But the the flounder regulations have increased tremendously, and so has the striper regulations. Was it like three weeks out of the year you can keep flounder? I mean, we used to be able to keep four fish per person uh, per day year-round. And yeah. now it's now the season's only open one month, and you can keep one fish a day. So, oh my so gosh. It's, it's it's based on a quota system. Okay. Like they, they 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 you hope there's some science. You trust there's science. You behind trust it, that right? the science is solid. Sometimes I don't trust it to be honest with you, but they 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 basically say we can harvest this amount of fish out of the stock and it still be sustainable. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, but the striped bass fishing we've had we've had reductions in those fisheries, but it hasn't kept people away. And what I've learned personally in my business is that people just want to come catch fish. Yeah. So, so I so yeah. I've shifted my the focus of my clientele away from keeping fish. I mean, we certainly will still keep fish from time to time. Yeah. We'll keep a lot of trout. That's yeah. what we keep more trout than anything else. And I I try to discourage them from keeping redfish because I like I just have kind of a, a sensitive spot for reds. Because when I see a little, you know, three-year-old redfish, I'm, I'm looking at him going, he he might be, he might live to be 50 or 60 years old and 50 inches long one day. Yeah. Wow. And I might catch him when I'm, you know, old man. I mean, is the redfish a good fish to eat? Not as good as trout. Yeah. I mean, they're okay. Some people love them. I like black drum better than red drum myself. Yeah. But, but they're all pretty good to eat, but they're, they're, people have different preferences. My buddy Mike Hutton made some up uh, a couple weeks ago, went down to Wilmington. He made some up uh, ceviche. 
with yeah. red mm-hmm. drum. Yeah. And I gotta say, it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I but it could have just been the mangoes. <laughs> they were good. Too. <laughs> um, so back to the stripers. Um, in the winter, we we fish up our coastal rivers, so the Tar and the Roanoke River above where they empty out into the sounds. Yeah, and usually we're fishing flowing water current and um which is cool i like fishing rivers because uh, river fishing is just it's river fishing is river fishing anywhere you go almost whether you're fishing a river like the tar the lower tar river or the lower roanoke or one of these mountain rivers up here you yeah. know, the features are similar i mean we don't have big rock outcrops but in rapids but we have you know, pools and, and riffle areas that are shallow. There's some yeah. down trees yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Structure, yeah, structure. That, yeah, so river fishing is river fishing, and, I, and I've always been a big fan of river fishing. But our fishery, we generally start doing our winter fishing about December, and we'll fish them right on through the pre-spawn, which is March, and right on through the spawning season, which is April and May. So I'm basically striper fishing from December through about the middle of May. And we, go, we fish them on the lower rivers until – about middle April, and then we go up to Weldon for the big spawning run on the Roanoke, which is a you know big attraction. Yeah, we go up there and do that for about three to four weeks, and that's and we have literally the fishing is so good that we have I would say on, on an off day, I mean twenty to fifty fish, on a good day fifty to a hundred or more, and we've had days where we've caught wow a hundred fifty two hundred. I I had a five hour trip at Weldon a couple years ago where we caught three hundred. Gosh, and that's on gear, dude. I'd be tired. Yeah. How, how is the fly? <laughs> the how fly, is the fly bite? The that? fly fishing can be that good too. Sometimes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, you can catch a hundred fish, hundred stripers on fly sometimes. And these are wow. these stripers. Sign are, me up. Hey, it's like that, like that reel from Justin the other. <laughs> Take my money. Yeah. It can happen. I mean, it's it's fishing. It doesn't happen every day, but it can be that good. Yeah. But but yeah. a slow day is twenty to forty fish probably. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's you plenty. Can go, awesome. you can go there and bang I'm twenty tired. thirty out. No problem. Yeah. That's like I'm okay. Wow. Let's go, boys. Let's go back so, home. So like you know so. What I hear is like, you know, I, th- I think a lot of times people think, okay, you know, it's it's the winter time, you know, the fly stuff's going up until I can get back down south. But what I hear you saying is there's opportunities here, possibly. Yeah, we do. We do, we fish with sinking lines. The fish are usually down in the water column, closer to the bottom. So if they're in 20 feet of water and the current's ripping, it's really hard to get a, even a 450 grain line down to, yeah. to, to where you could always euro nymph to them. That's true. You know, I, I don't. I don't know. They they probably laugh at those little things going by their face. But, uh, Something tickle me. But uh, no, it's but in the right spot, like say eight to twelve feet of water with uh, you know less current, you can wear them out. Yeah. And so we're using typically three hundred to four hundred fifty grain lines, depending on the depth. Um, and that's our winter fishing in the spring as it warms up. You know, March. April, May, you'll start to have more top water opportunities. Yeah. You'll, you'll catch them in certain places. You know, they're blitzing up on top, chasing bait. Summertime, that's great too. Yeah. Fall as well. So, so, so uh, the question we get a lot in here, um, and you may hear this, is how far do I have to cast a fly rod to catch one? Well, that's a, that's a trick. Um, sink, <laughs> sink and line fishing, you're, you're not going to get a very good sink rate if you can't cast far yeah i've had guys on my boat that can't cast the black portion of the sinking line out i mean i mean they can't cast into the shooting section which is 30 you know 30 feet yeah they're just not getting the sink you can't it's it's so hard for them and i try to work with them i teach people to shoot the line 
Yeah. You know, just do a forward haul, just do some real light faults cast because that line does not loop. It just right. it bunches up on itself. And you come back and you do a forward haul and you just aim for the sky and you can just send all that line out. It's yeah. so easy if you if you know how to do it right. Yeah. It's actually easier than casting floating line, I think. Yeah. So So you're not really doing a double haul. You're doing just a. You don't really need to. Just you just a, pull it out of the water once back and then shoot it back out. A single forward haul is probably all you need just to shoot. And you use the leaded, lead, the leaded portion of the line to pull the rest of the line out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you get that color transition. To Sounds your, like like a spade. Yeah. You get that color transition to your rod tip. So you got. I use thirty foot sink. You know, you could call them a sink tip, but I call them full sinking lines. Yeah. yeah. Thirty foot sinking section off your rod tip to your rod tip. Yeah. They do it. Come back with a control back cast. A nice forward haul, and you, hopefully you got a lot of shooting line around your feet, and just you're right there. There you go. You take spay rods down there and, and try it from the bow of the boat. Mm. Have you ever thrown a spay rod? Never. Oh, I, mm. I, I, I like to learn though. Mm. I Bring that fun. down there. I'll show you how to throw one. Yeah, you could. You could stand on the bow of the boat, man. Mile, and you? You, yeah. could, you could sling a. Yeah, everything I hear you saying sounds like spay. So we got we we've had a lot of people in the shop over the years um, tell us about their fishery on Lanier. For striper how do freshwater striper that are landlocked behave differently than what you're seeing at the coast they probably behave a lot like our fish in the sound do which is essentially just a big lake i mean it's not okay. t- it's not tidal they're just around bait fish concentrations and points and things like that um ledges so it'd be the same type of fishing okay now when you get in our rivers it's different you're fishing moving water yeah so now maybe a lake like that they might have some tributaries like the headwaters of the lake they may go up there and fish them in current but you know so like when you go up to weldon that's like our, our buddy joel whispers of a worm rash <laughs> <laughs> right that's that's when you get that excited like you hear whispers and well, you go up to Weldon. Weldon looks like a mountain river. It's uh, it's right, you're right. The put in there in Weldon is right below the fall line. Mm-hmm. So everything above the boat ramp is is just, just rocky, just rocks. Yeah, that's just, cool. Just rapids and drops. And does just, Roanoke Rapids have rapids? Indeed, it does. I wanted never, to ask that. Never been there. I've that. never been to Roanoke Rapids. You never have. Yes, it's yes, a I town, did. right? It's not actual. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's a town. It's right beside Weldon. It's yeah. Like, yeah, it's all the same thing, really. So there's rapids in Roanoke Rapids. How but, clever! But that water is moving up there. It's a big tail ray, so it's all dependent on what the dam's releasing. Yeah. But uh, sometimes they'll if they're releasing high, really really high, all the rapids are blown out. And you just you could just ride right over them. But when it's low, it gets to be. Well, I've I've always wondered about this stuff. This is this is really cool to have you here and ask because I we'll get those notices from NC Wildlife and email about striper regs, and it's like, huh. I don't know anything about that, but it must be good if they send it out a blast email. Yeah, but it 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 you know it sounds like a foreign language to me. So that Weldon fishery though is a pretty world class fishery. I mean, it's uh people come from all over the eastern seaboard to do it. Um, really, it's very well done. Yeah. Well, all right, We're, they gonna come from become? Western North Carolina now. <laughs> we need to get out there and check it out. Well, then the, you know I didn't even talk about the shad fishing we have. We have great, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Talk yeah. about the shad. And that, that's another another wonderful fly fishery that we have down okay. there. Yeah. And they they usually start showing up at late February. March would be the peak. All of March is good, and the early part of April. So you're you're about looking at about a five to six week season, with the best of it being in March. And so they come up. They run up the rivers from the ocean before the stripers do. Now our striped bass tip are all just resident sound fish. Yeah. Okay. That they they don't really the young ones don't really leave and go to the ocean. Now if they do make it into adulthood, they do immigrate out to the ocean and join the Atlantic Ocean stock, which migrates up and down the eastern right. seaboard. But 
our stripers just migrate up in the spring to spawn whatever river they were born in. Okay. But the shad come in before them, and usually about the time the shad are leaving, the stripers start to show up on the spawning grounds. Hmm. So it's pretty. That's it's, cool. it's, yeah, the shad fish is fun. Three to six weights, seven weights, typically sinking line most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just it's like a it's like a little baby tarpon. That's pretty neat. Well, never, never caught a shad. If you've never shad fished on I've a flight, you should. You definitely had to do it sometime. All right, we're gonna have to do that. I need to come down and fish with me. Yeah. So, um, cool. yeah, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued here. Just, I mean, you know, like I said, it was always something I've been wanting to learn more about, but now just talking to you more, I think, I think we're at to get together down there. Um, well, cool. Well, thanks for sharing all that, man. Um, really, really great to have you here. And definitely now that, um, it seems like COVID is kind of past us. I feel like we're going to be able to have more people actually be able to come here and do interviews like this and it, it really worked out thank you so much for taking some time from your vacation to sit with us i think that's pretty awesome um my wife would be pissed <laughs> <laughs> so hats <laughs> off richard I think, I think they were glad to get me out of the house honestly. <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad y'all drug me in off the street <laughs> yeah so um i guess we should uh we got about 15 minutes left here so chat about our fishing here yeah so um I guess the last report we did was um, April. Actually, have you got any other questions on the striper stuff? Or? No, no, no. Um, yeah, last report we did was um, April. So we went through April. We really had a dry spring. So a dry spring means you're not going to get any trips canceled. So that was great. Um, it's like we had one week where it yeah. was like, man, we got a lot of rain this week. And then Duke Energy, this would have been a great episode uh, to talk about because Duke Energy there after Memorial Day really messed up. Um, it seems they turned on the dams and opened the spillways on like a four to six inch rain. Like we've had more rain in Richard. We get see, last few years, every tropical storm, whether from the Atlantic or the Gulf comes through here. Okay. And we'll get like eight to 10, eight to 12 inches of rain. I mean, you guys are used to seeing large amounts of rain down there. You've probably driven boats down main street bath. We all do get like, 95 inches of rain a year out here. Yeah, I mean, the the tropical rainforest, (laughs) subtropical rainforest is definitely in effect. Um, But, I mean, there was flooding. You know, we saw the Kulawi gauge hit 10,000 CFS. And I've always said that's going to be a catastrophic day when that happens. And, you know, there were some people whose homes got damaged that have never seen water that high since they built the dams. There was stuff that happened before um, whatever alphabet soup it was in the Great Depression that, built all that twra all that so um crazy stuff so we've been kind of off and on dry and now it seems like we're finally into this cookie cutter weather pattern for the summer where it's like okay high of 83 chance of storms and the holler next to you might get two inches like last week i saw where deep creek received two and a half inches of rain i got a hundredth yeah (laughs) a hundredth so it really does just depend on where you're at um, but a side effect of that is the smallie fishing is fantastic when it's low. Yeah. Smallmouth fishing has been pretty good this year. It is. Now I will say it's better fishing when you don't flip your boat. <laughs> that's, that's, that's very important. <laughs> yes. So, the boat's um, upright, you can catch fish. That's right. <laughs> but if you do have a boat and you want to come up here and smallie fish, um, just understand you're you're going to end up dragging the boat at some point. But that probably means you're going to have a great day of smallie fishing. Um, 
And I, I, I was talking with uh, Matt Reinhart, one of our guides, um, and, and Mike Hodge a few, couple weeks ago about this, that fly fishing in the southeast for smallmouth, it's just a you're going to drag boats. If you don't want to drag a boat over some shoals every now and then, some rocks, then don't go smallie fishing here. You know, because it's, it's just what you need to be able to do. If the water is so high where you don't need to get out and drag the boat over anything, you're probably not going to catch too much that day. You know, it's going to be a slower day. So um, everything white and flashy. It was an amazing, amazing time out last time I hit the smallies. So uh, if you guys are in the shop, um, what's the that Chuck Craft minnow? That the white is really good, yeah. um, and then the Crelix. Crelix so, man are great. That's it. Yeah, just have a bunch of Crelix. You fish Crelix down there? Yeah, they're yeah. nice. Yeah. So well, I guess I need to make sure you got some um, what you call them too, Clousers. Clousers, Clousers, tequilas, tequilas. Oh, are great. Oh, there it is. Yeah, I heard that I, one. I had tequilas today at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> had a couple of them things. So. Um, yeah, so let me hit that button for the fishing report. <laughs> Just so Shannon knows that you played the water. I did, I did hit that button. I don't know if it was the right one. But, you know, it has been a hot summer, with all that being said. So for trout fishing, definitely start early. Be on the water at 7 a.m., and you probably need to be off the water by 11, um, depending on your elevation and what the weather's doing. But then that evening, you know, when the sun comes off the water and start, it'll cool down pretty quick, but... You know, what, what would you say, Bobby? Seven to dark? Yeah. Go I mean, eat dinner. Go eat go dinner. Fish for two, three hours. Throw some light Cahills. And I wouldn't worry about the dropper at that point and just, just have a good time there till dinner. Um, good time to get the family and kids out there. You don't have to worry about waders and boots. You can just go out there in sandals and such and uh, and have a good time. That I was just thinking about something, man. How how important is water temperature to your game out there? It every, means everything. Yeah. Just like it does here. If it's too so, like right now, if it's too cold, it sucks or what? Well, we we do. I mean, we have to battle eighty to ninety degree temperatures in the estuary in the summertime, and we do a lot of live bait fishing in the summertime to counteract the the, the hot water. Interesting. They just get tough to catch on artificial unless it's real early or real late yeah. in the day. Because we were running down there around um, Oregon Inlet, and the water was like seventy one. It was cold That's to me. That's cooler for this time of year. And it, it affected it certainly. And that was, I mean, it was a month ago. Yeah. But it certainly impacted the bite. Right now it's been running about 84, 80, awesome. 83, 84. But it, I've seen it as high as 94. Holy The water temp? Yeah. On the river? In the, in, in the, in the estuary. Estuary. Okay. Now the sound. That sounds well, like, well, 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 that's I, what I mean by my secret spot. I would say more, yeah, in, in the river, the sound usually doesn't get that hot. The, the rivers will. Though. The rivers will. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Man 94 degrees. That's, that's like getting close to hot I mean, tubs. you can't even get in the water and go swimming and, and get refreshed. It's yeah. like, it's like getting a spa. Wow. Holy smokes. Yeah. Well, I'm coming to fish in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> When, when the water temperature is hotter than the air temperature here, that's, that's how yeah. we'll be fishing there. That's right. Um, well, Richard, how can they? How can folks listen and get a hold of you? Check your rig out. Well, they all the information about what I do is on my website at www.tarpamguide.com. That's not tarpon. That is tar t a r p a m is in the Pamlico River. dot com. So tarpam. Yep. Check check me out. We'll we'll set you up if you want to go fly fishing or. Or spin fishing, we can do that too. I think Richard could do a good Ward Ward Burton. You he followed NASCAR. Yeah, you yeah, remember Ward Burton? Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, I think I think you could pull it off. Boy, was your shovel here on a bar down I think you could. You could. 
Dale Earnhardt Jr., I like your daddy, but you sure ain't no racer. I think if you just altered a little let's, bit. Let's hear can, it. Let's hear it, man. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, don't have, I don't have much on these guys up here in the mountains now. Come on now. No, you don't. You, don't. <laughs> I, you know, I, I will say, man, it, it's great and refreshing to talk to a fellow North Carolinian in this industry. Like, well, and, and not, not, I don't want to slight anybody that's, that's fishing in North Carolina or guiding here in the industry from anywhere else. But, you know, to hear the accent, to hear you talk about places Bobby and I grew up knowing about, Bath and whatnot, and you went to Chapel Hill, man, it's just pretty cool, man. Well, that's, a, in my mind, that's one of the greatest things about fishing, especially fly fishing, is the fishing world is kind of small and it brings people together who otherwise really wouldn't be together. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, here I am. I'm, from Eastern North Carolina, you guys are from out here in the Smokies, and we're sitting here around the table talking fishing. And we still ain't got no good barbecue in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got all the good barbecue. You should have brought there. some Smithfields with you, brother. Right. <laughs> so Dale grew up near Lexington, and I grew up down towards Pinehurst. Oh, yeah. So we both like at least had decent barbecue. There ain't nothing here. And now it's like, oh, yeah. man, no good pork. I go to Texas. Here. What about now, that place in Dillsborough? Hey, with smokehouse yeah, is legit. Yeah, good, but yeah. it's not like Eastern North Carolina. Yeah. No, yeah. it's not that vinegar. Right. Mm. I miss I it. Man, I, I mean, if if we could just get a Smithfield's barbecue closer to us, I would love it. I don't know that's not like top of the line, but it's still good. Like, yeah, it's not bad. When you order no, the hush puppies, they still give you twenty. Yes, <laughs> it says twelve, but you're getting twenty. And some Brunswick stew, you know, oh, like all that. Gosh. Like, oh, I want all that right now. Oh, Shannon, we had, so coming back from the Virginia Fly Fishing Festival a few years ago. The last time, not they. Well, last time we went, it was that was 2020. It's 2020. January. Yeah. Um, we took Shannon. We 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 come back and we we're like, hey, we going to dinner at a Smithfields. Shannon that works with us had never been to a Smithfields. Me and Bobby go in there. We want like everything. We, <laughs> we got chicken, Brunswick stew, Brunswick stew, Brunswick stew to take home to our wives. And somehow I don't know how we made that work for five hours in the car. Um, but we ordered like barbecue, the fried chicken, and and hush puppies. Of course, and all the sides, sides. Or... I mean, and Shannon was like, I mean, it's. it's Guys, it's just food. Like, you know, settle down. It's okay. And we're like, Shannon, but you, it's not. You, <laughs> no, it's not. You don't understand. And so, um, folks don't understand. Like, when you grow up down there, let's just say east of, let's say Greensboro East. Yeah. You, you got Biscuitville. You know about you know about that. yeah. I saw them eyes oh, light yeah. up. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So you got Biscuitville, you got Smithfields, and and it just these little restaurants. Even even in Wilson, Parker's 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 Barbecue down amazing. Okay, um, and of course the places in Lexington. But when you live up here and you don't have those places, when you travel, it just makes them so much more special. That's true. So it's like, yeah. When when we see that Brunswick stew, we're just oh, we get giddy. I'm not gonna lie, me and my wife have had the conversation. The closest they just built this like last year. The closest Smithfields to us is in West Charlotte, just near the airport. And we've had the conversation on a Saturday, like let's drive there and just eat and come back. <laughs> well, you can <laughs> phone a friend. You can really have a better experience if you cook the pig on your own or shoulder. Well, yeah, and you, and you just you just mix mixed up an Eastern sauce. Yeah, yeah, brown sugar. Apple cider vinegar and red pepper flakes. It sounds that's like that's we're eating when we come fishing. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> we just invited of, ourselves to dinner. Is that part of your uh, your fishing? Like, hey guys, <laughs> I cook a pork shoulder at the end of the day. Yeah, know, we may have to record another episode on uh, Richard's barbecue. We don't do lunch down there on the coast like you guys do on your float trips. Oh, really? What do y'all do? No, we don't. No, they just bring their own. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That's all right, too. We'll bring some Smith. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> we'll have our bros with stew. But if you guys come fishing with me, we'll cook a pig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, that 
when I had to go down to Wilmington a couple weeks ago, I drove back a different route just so I could hit Biscuitville. <laughs> <laughs> like it was slower, but I was going to Biscuitville. And it was worth it. In Larnberg. Are cheese biscuits for breakfast a thing here? They I know they are at Bojangles down east, right? Yeah. yeah. Big time. They still have them? They're big time down there. They still have People them? People eat these gigantic balls of bread and cheese for breakfast. Yeah, I man. It's like They're good. Cathead biscuits, the big biscuits. Cathead, yeah. yeah. Cathead cheese, yeah. So yeah. I remember John, my father-in-law, when we would go surf fish out of the coast of the Oregon, we'd that's the first time I saw cheddar biscuits like that. Was it Bojangles? And it was the cheddar bow. But I haven't seen them here. No, you got to go to like the mom and pop places and get the, the real ones. The real deal. Okay. Eastern North Carolina. I didn't realize that bow. was an Eastern North Carolina thing. Yeah. There's, I just thought it was like people that like heart attacks. Every gas station has one. Oh, PBS. PBS like, that means they got the wedges too, probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> about a month ago, cheese? PBS had a special about them. And, <laughs> really? Yeah, about the cheddar, the cheese biscuits in Eastern North Carolina. But it, it must be a phenomenon just down in that area because, like because a, I, I had a guy, a guest in town from Montana one time who was fishing with me for a few days and. I took him down there to the local, you know, breakfast hole and, get, and got him a cheese biscuit. He just didn't know what to think about that. He, he just thought that was the weirdest thing. He said, what is this? Did he eat it? I said, <laughs> I said, she said that's a he, plug. He ate like two bites. It was like, I, I can't, I can't finish that. What? I was like, what do y'all eat out there? He said, pretty much mostly twigs and berries. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. That's my diet most mornings, but man, when you're in he, the right he, place, you got to. He had never seen anything like that. You got to blend in with the locals. Man, that's, that's phenomenal. Right. I'm starving right now. All right. Gosh. Well, let's wrap this one up, and uh, we're going to head east soon and get a cheddar biscuit and fish for some stripers. That's it, man. So, Richard, thanks so much, man. Yeah, it's man, been awesome to have fun. you on. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. We'll let you, know, you get you back to your vacation. I, I don't know. Let's see. It says close. Try it. Nope. Oh, there it is. <laughs> That wraps up another exciting and informative talk. episode of the Tuckcast with a splash of bourbon presented by Tuckasegee Fly Shop and Guide Service located at 3 Depot Street, Bryson City, North Carolina and 530 West Main Street, Silva, North Carolina. Be sure to visit www.tuckflyshop.com for streamflow information, book a guided trip, or even shop for your favorite Tuckasegee Fly Shop gear. Follow the crew on Facebook at Tuckasegee Fly Shop, Instagram at Tuck Fly Shop, and on YouTube at Tuckasegee Fly Shop. If you have a question or comment, feel free to send those to info at tuckflyshop.com or give us a call 1-828-488-3333. For Coach Dell Diesel Collins, Bobby the Bearded Wonder Bennett, I'm Shannon, Big Mess Messer. We'll catch you next week. Be sure to catch a few fish out there, won't you? Y'all take care. <laughs>